A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. This is Money FM 89.3. I am reviewing the Australian election result. A big shock last weekend down under. I have George Daniki and broadcaster and journalist from Melbourne, Australia on the line. Boontan, managing director of CST Tax Advisors here in Singapore, and Greg Creevy, managing director of Omni Channels Asia and a former radio announcer. Guys, it's uh, great to have you here. Let's start with George Danikian in Melbourne to tell us what the latest is on Scott Morrison's impressive upset victory. Yeah, uh, good morning, guys. And uh, clearly one thing uh, both of the parties uh, failed to address throughout the entire campaign was to stay and be very aware of what was happening around them. I think we had years of polling, which gave uh, the Labor Party and uh, a guy called Bill Shorten, who was the opposition leader, a real belief that they simply had to roll up, turn up, and the election was going to be theirs for the taking. When the dust had settled early Saturday night, that's last week, uh, that wasn't the case. And the uh, Liberal Party or the coalition had been returned. They waited a couple of days to find out, but the final numbers are uh, pretty impressive. 78. That's two more than the uh, coalition had at the last election. And uh, 67 for the Labor Party, which was uh, two less. So two more for the Liberals, two fewer for the Labor Party. And uh, if you look at things, it was a case of the Labor Party overreaching possibly with its uh, policies and scaring or confusing people whereas the coalition decided that it was going to have one simple target, and that was the bill that Australia couldn't afford. And the bill, of course, was Bill Shorten and his Labor Party. Well, that is a stunning result, and, of course, it is a great mandate for Scott Morrison, who came into power during that uh, leadership spill last August. And Greg Creevy, we look back at uh, you know the last uh, couple of weeks, and, of course, Bob Hawke, a very popular and beloved uh, Labor leader, Labor Prime Minister from 1983 to 91, actually passed away at the age of 89, just a couple of days before the election. And everyone thought that might push it across the line for Labor, but it had the reverse effect. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, looking at Shorten laying a wreath, you know, on the steps of the Opera House on the Saturday morning, I think some could have been forgiven for thinking that there would have been a more uh, sort of positive sentiment that would have went uh, Labor's way. But maybe, in fact, the opposite. Maybe it sort of just sharpened people's minds that you know, Bill Shorten was nowhere near uh, the equal of someone like Bob Hawke. And in his attempts to perhaps uh, identify with Hawke, the Shorten and the Labor uh, agenda were completely completely at odds with the sort of economic agenda that the combination of Hawke and Keating was so successful with for, for so many years. And Boontan, you work a lot with uh, people in the business community, both here in Singapore and in Australia. Yeah. And you've got your finger on the pulse when it comes to the reaction of the business community to this. And obviously, a lot of the policies that Labor were proposing were very unpopular. What have you seen from your clients? Yeah, so I think there's a sigh of relief to some extent. Uh, a lot <laughs> of the policies that the Labor Party were proposing were really looking at increasing the tax base, but in a way that kind of affected a lot of people that couldn't really afford it. Things such as removing the franking credit rebate for retirees. Now, these are people who are planning their retirement savings and cash flow relying on the refunds coming in every year from lodging a tax return and taking that away is going to be a very big impactful policy. Well, George Deneke in, in Melbourne, as we review the Australian election mm. results, 
How unpopular do you think these policies were? Because we were looking at the polls oh. in the three years previous, yep. and Labor were always ahead. And even Scott Morrison had said it was like a coronation. That's what uh, Bill Shorten thought this would yeah. be. There was, it yeah. was just a formality. So yeah. just give us the feel down there about what went wrong, especially in Queensland, because that turned the tide, didn't well, it, for the coalition? It certainly did. That in Tasmania. And Boontan's comments are on the money in that there were people who were confused and you, you talk about the polling that had run 50 polls in a row saying that Labor was a, was a walk-up start to gain office uh, if they go to the election. And the, the truth of the matter was they hadn't addressed any of this until very late. And then they did not bother to uh, try and uh, explain what was involved. They thought, hey, this will all work out in the wash. The only problem was the two biggest states that said no and became the bulwark and made sure that Labor was not, not going to get up was Queensland and Tasmania. And what makes them so special? That's where a, a great many people go and retire. That's a great place to go and settle after a very busy life in Sydney or Melbourne or, or Perth or whatever, and Brizzy. And that's what they decided to do. Those two states basically went, hang on a minute, we don't like the sound of what Labor is offering. In fact, I believe, as I touched on earlier, that it was Labor overreaching, trying to do something too quickly, and it scared people. And the silent majority, we keep hearing this constantly, especially from all the, uh, the journalists now after the event, they're going, oh, my God, the silent majority has spoken. In other words, the tail hasn't wagged the dog. The dog has decided to stand up and say, no, our tail is going to be kept at this particular tempo. And they're in control. And that's why we have a secret ballot. I mean, it, it fascinates me that we have this inordinate belief that the poll leading up to the election is really important. No, no, no. It's just a moment in time. And it's uh, being discussed on that day. It's got nothing to do with the end game. And that's uh, what Bill Shorten is reflecting on right now and what Anthony Albanese and others will have to address. We saw a very short uh, skirmish just after Bill Shorten stepped down last Saturday night, we saw Penny Wong contemplated as a potential leader, Tanya Plebisek, then, of course, the man that a great many people now have taken to having a really good shot at is Chris Bowen, the man who would have been the new treasurer. And some of his commentary leading up to the election when he was questioned by certain journalists, uh, his response alienated a whole bunch of people too, and that is... If they don't like what we're proposing, they don't have to uh, to vote for us. Well, they didn't. Well, Greg Creevy, your your mother actually lives in Queensland, uh, <laughs> in Toowoomba, and you know that she probably wasn't that happy about some of the proposals that Labor did. So what else do you think they did wrong, and who do you see as the next potential leader for the Labor Party? I think in terms of what they did wrong, if, if you listen to uh, Shorten uh, throughout, not just the campaign, but even in the lead up to the campaign, was this constant reference, this constant reference to the big end of town. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I looked on a map and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, does it exist? In, uh, in 2019, does it exist? This, this um, card of sort of, you know, class warfare and talking about blue collar workers and the working class, I don't think that that really spoke to uh, the aspirational class. And clearly, this was a, an, an anti-aspirational uh, campaign that Labor won and that didn't recognise. They talk about the quiet Australians, but I think perhaps it's more the aspirational Australians. And whether you work in a factory or you work in retail or you work in a bank, you know, you're, you're aspirational. You want a better life. And I don't think that uh, Labor uh, was uh, in any way effective in, in speaking to the aspirations of, uh, of, 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 of Australians generally. 
Yeah, and certainly Bob Hawke, who you know was the Prime Minister between 83 and 91, a Labour leader, did bring people together from different parts of society, whether it's business, the high end of town, if you like, and trade unions and everybody else. But Boone, I want you to kind of give me some uh, perspectives for Singaporeans who are investing in Australia and maybe things that they should know about. Any changes or is it going to be status quo? Well, it's pretty much status quo. So for all the investors looking to, you know, the popular aspect of investing in property in Australia, what we're looking at is a situation where if Bill Shorten and his and the Labor Party came in, there was going to be a removal of the negative gearing allowance. So you could no longer claim or reduce your taxable income by more than what you earn because of a rental interest Losses. offset. Yep. yep. And then there were other things like a reduction in the uh, CGT discount. So currently 50%. They were proposing to cut it in half to 25%. So those things were going to clearly impact on the housing market and potentially push it down. So it would have been potentially an opportunity for Singaporeans to go and invest in Australian property. But if they were thinking of retiring there, then there was that long-term impact of those changes which were going to come back and impact when you sell the property. So I've now got a higher tax bill. I've now got less ability to build a tax offset by accumulating losses because I actually cannot generate losses anymore. So just in the housing area in terms of investments on it, on its own with two very big changes that are no longer on the table anymore because of the result. We're reviewing the 2019 Australian elections uh, with uh, Boon Tan, Managing Director at CST Tax Advisors, Greg Creevy, Managing Director of Omni Channels Asia, and in Melbourne, Australia, George Danikian, broadcaster and journalist. George, looking at the Australian economy, uh, you know, and some interest rates cuts that are being touted at the moment, what would yep. you say about uh, what Scott Morrison will take uh, going forward here with the economy and, and the state of the country? Uh, look, I hope the euphoria doesn't distract him. I hope he understands that the economy is just getting along. It's not flying along. There, uh, this result now will shore up certain uh, parts of the uh, community, business, and uh, as Boonten just mentioned, there'll be people who are contemplating investing in the country and they will go ahead and do what uh, they've been doing for uh, the last few years. So there is uh, some uh, continuity but importantly for uh, Morrison, he's got to take a real stock of uh, the lie of the land, that is the troops that he has, who've come in. They've won a seat, of course, in Tasmania. They've made a move forward. And for him, I think it's making sure that he doesn't get distracted and he stays on message and works very hard. He has a unique opportunity now. There is no Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott did lose his seat. And uh, for a great many people, that brought... Uh, enormous uh, joy. So there'll be a f uh, less distraction in the parliament. There'll be uh, fewer opportunities for Labor just to take a free kick. But Scott Morrison has an enormous responsibility and a fantastic opportunity to buckle down and focus on the things that need to be done, and that is make sure the economy keeps growing. Well, interesting little side story that uh, George Janikian just touched on there, Greg, about Tony Abbott, the former Prime Minister mm. of Australia, who was the member for a long time of Warringah. 25 which, years. 25 years, which is the Northern yeah. Beaches. A lot of Singaporeans would know Manly and they'd know the beaches right up to Palm Beach. Was defeated by an independent, someone that I actually know, who I actually interviewed as a sports reporter called Zali Stegel, who was a, an Olympic medal winning skier. She won a world championship as well in, in Colorado. 
and it's all done on the climate change platform. So what does that say about the climate change side of things for Aussies in general? Because some would say that, uh, you know, the Labour Party might have had the edge on that on a national level. Yeah, I think that um, as the results in Queensland particularly showed, what people are more concerned with are sort of the the daily struggles uh, you know, with cost of living and having a job and, and affordable energy. I think that climate change is definitely an issue, but it's an issue in many respects that is concentrated around the, you know, the CBD areas and the more affluent areas of you know, Sydney, Melbourne uh, and Brisbane. But as far as um, Zali's win in, in, uh, in Warringah, it was largely around that singular issue of climate change. So you do wonder that as an independent, how much of her agenda is going to be advanced in the next parliament around climate change when the winning government, their approach to climate change is much more diluted, much more muted than it is for an independent like her. Yeah, and Boone, obviously this is a good win for the business community in Australia overall and of course here as well in Singapore. But how concerned do you think Aussies are in general about climate change when it comes to you know, making sure their pockets are full of you know, cash and their businesses are going well? I think they're very cognizant of the fact that there is climate change. A lot of people understand that something needs to be done, but I think the issue that the Labor Party had was their policies kind of overreached the mark. And I think to a certain extent, people are understanding that, okay, yes, we need some climate change, absolutely. You know, we're going to vote in favour of that, but we've got to take small steps. You know, you can't just turn the tap on and off. And, and expect that nothing's going to change. Things are going to change. If we're looking at in introducing taxes on carbon taxes, for example, well, how is that going to affect me? The energy supplier isn't necessarily going to absorb all of it, so isn't that automatically going to increase my cost of living? And if you relate that to you know families in Singapore, we know that a lot of Singaporean families have children that go and study in you know secondary and tertiary education in Australia. And they're being supported here from Singapore. So suddenly the cost of supporting their children in educating them in Australia is going to increase as well. Well, George, uh, final word for you on how you think uh, the Labor Party may move forward from this. Who might be the next Labor leader? Could it be Anthony Albanese, who went from a very working class home in Sydney, single parent family, a bit of an Aussie battler, as, as we say, little Aussie battler. Uh, who's going to be the next leader of the Labour Party and what's the way forward for them after this major setback? Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, as uh, one of the uh, very best broadcasters on the ABC touched on only the other day, he said Anthony Albanese is authentic, he's real, and he has the challenge now to go and address those aspirational voters who did not side with the Labor Party and who stuck with the coalition. So that's his message. He's going to have to go back and address uh, what his uh, colleague in the Labor Party, Chris Bowen, talked about. So they're going to have to review some of those rather aggressive or uh, progressive uh, strategies that they were talking about, that the constituency certainly went, no, 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 not now. Had Had the economy been flying and things been a little bit different, and had to Bill Shorten a little more charisma than quite possibly the result may have differed. But at the end of the day, I think Anthony Albanese has been now promoted, has been pushed, and we've seen a lot of talking and a lot of chatter behind the scenes because the day after the Sunday, we heard an awful lot of talk 
that there was Tanya Pladesek, that there was Penny Wong, that there was Chris Bowen. All these people were putting their hands up. Uh, even the, one of the young guns in the Labor Party, a guy called Jim Chalmers, was being touted as the next person put their hand up. And suddenly we saw a bit of a civil war. We heard that uh, Bill Shorten, who had said only the night before he was stepping down and giving uh, others a chance to step forward, he apparently had been manning the phones and making sure that they stayed away from Albanese. Well, once that got out, the Labor Party and its factions had another 24 to 48 hours of bickering. But it seems to me that at this stage, Anthony Albanese, from the left of the party, is going to be the man who'll put his hand up and will be anointed as the next Labor opposition leader to take on the coalition. And um, I think, as I touched on at the very beginning, he is an authentic guy. He is, he is approachable. And I think he will have sat down and thought long and hard about what they didn't do and what they have to do. Going to be some interesting times ahead in Australian politics. We've had many prime ministers, something like six since 2010. Wow. I'd like to thank uh, George Danikian, the iconic broadcaster and journalist in Melbourne, Australia. Boontan, Managing Director of CST Tax Advisors. And Greg Creevy, Managing Director of Omni Channels Asia. We're all Aussies and we're all watching Aussie politics with fascination. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. All the best.